The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. This morning, would you open your Bibles to Exodus, Exodus chapter 19, and we've looked at this text some time ago, and I'm going to revisit it again today, because I believe there's something that God wants me to remind every one of you of. Every one of you are precious in the sight of God. You're really special in God's sight. You are the apple of God's eye. You are God's pet. If he had a pet, you're it. You know how the teacher had a pet? Huh? You know how the teacher had a pet? The teacher's pet? And if God had a pet, you would be it. Amen. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 3, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Look at verse 3 again. And Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and to the children of Israel. And the house of Jacob really speaks of the people, and the children of Israel speaks of the nation. What did God want Moses to say to them? What God wanted Moses to say to the children of Israel that day is the same thing God wants me to say to his people this day, and that is, you are chosen. You are a chosen generation. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes, a chosen generation. Now, generally speaking, a generation is a group of people that are born and living at a similar time. You know, for instance, we have in this church at least five different generations. And some of the groups are larger than others, but in this church we have, for example, the silent generation. The silent generation are those persons born uh, before World War I and World War II. Then you have the baby boomer generations, which I am a proud member of. You have the baby boomer generations. And I think I told you this. I was in, in, in Indianapolis back in uh, September, and I forgot to pack a tie because I was going to speak at a special event. And I forgot to pack a tie, so the host pastor took me by a men's store to buy a tie. And uh, when I pulled out a t cash to pay for that tie, he looked at me and said, Pastor Jerry, you still carry cash? I said, yes. I'm a baby boomer. So a baby boomer 
may have some cash in their pocket. So if you need to hit somebody up, you may want to target a baby boomer. <laughs> Amen? Then you have Generation X. And then there's millenniums. And most of my kids, my grown, my adult kids are all millenniums. Amen? And then at the millenniums, what do you have? You have Gen Z, Generation Z. And we have people represented in this church and all those groups. But that's what a generation is. It's a group of people that are living and born at a similar time. Now, these generations in the natural usually go about 15 to 20 years as, as far as the, the birth span. But in the Bible, a generation was 40 years. Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. I, I need you to follow this. They were there for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years before they can enter the promised land. And that first generation coming out of Israel, of Egypt rather, as you saw in our text, that first generation coming out of Egypt was a chosen generation. God told Moses, you say to them, that you remind them how brought them out of Egypt, how I bore them on eagle's wings. Now tell them that if they'll just obey my voice, keep my covenant, they shall be a special treasure to me. In other words, they shall be a chosen generation. They shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God says, tell them they're chosen. But even though that generation was chosen, that generation became, that, gener that chosen generation became a lost generation. It became a lost generation. And here we see that you can decide for yourself if you're going to accept or reject your chosen destiny. That first generation rejected their chosen de destiny except for Caleb and Joshua. Is that right? Is that right? So since your destiny can be accepted or rejected, every one of you have a decision to make. You have to decide, are you going to be a part of a lost generation or are you going to be part of that chosen generation? Amen? So what does it mean to be chosen? What does it mean to be chosen? To be chosen simply means that you have been selected for favor and for privilege. That's what it means to be chosen. And in our case as believers, we, we were pre-selected. We were pre-selected before the foundation of the world. Now, parents will say, you'll hear parents say, well, you know, I love all my children. Those parents with multiple children in the family, they'll say, I love all my children. I love all my children the same. You know, parents, I get it. I understand what you're trying to say, but you're not better than God. You're not better than God because even though God gave birth through Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau was born, God said, Romans 9, 13, as it is written, I have loved Jacob and I have hated 
Esau. So what was God saying? God was saying, Jacob is my chosen. And God did choose Jacob to become the father of the children of Israel from which Jesus is the Messiah, which would come out of his line and lineage. So how is it that God could say, I love Jacob, but Esau I've hated? That word hate, Romans 9, 13, when God said, I hated Jacob, Esau rather, God was saying, I loved him less. But yet we as parents, and I think we do that, out of a sense of defensiveness or expectation, we're concerned about what others would say and think about us. We say, yeah, we love all our children the same. Then why do you give one child two scoops of ice cream when, they, when they, all the other kids got one? Explain that. But I love them all the same. I'm telling you, that God is the creator of all of us. But you and I, we are part of the chosen of God. He says you are selected for favor. You are selected for privilege. And what it is a privilege to be a child of God. This is what Peter was talking about in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Come on. And a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, Peter says you to be a peculiar people, not peculiar in the sense of acting strange, not peculiar in the sense of acting unusual. Don't use that as your excuse. To be peculiar is to be special. You are God's special child. Did you know that? God is on your side. He has pre-selected you for favor, and that's why others will look from the outside. They'll look into your life and say, you know what? Favor ain't fair. Favor was never supposed to be fair. Favor is for the chosen. This is our privilege. It's your privilege to be healed rather than suffering with sickness and disease. It's your privilege to have more than enough rather than be struggling with poverty and limitation. It's your privilege to be the head and not the tail. That's your privilege because you are chosen. Huh? Now, the thing about being chosen is that, you know, you really can't change favor and privilege, uh, at least from God's standpoint. You know, you can't change God's mind about that. So you might as well embrace what I'm saying to you. You see, when Israel came out of Egypt, they found out that they could not change. Listen to me very carefully. They could not change favor and privilege that God had placed on their lives. But you can reject it. You can abort it. That's what the first generation of the Israelites did. Even though they were chosen, even though they were favored, they were privileged by God, God wanted to give them a land that flowed with milk and honey. God wanted to give them houses they had not built. Wanted to give them vineyards 
that they had not planted. He wanted to give them cities that they had not erected. But they rejected it. That first generation. And I'm telling you, you can reject your, your privilege. You can reject your favor. Remember, God, God spoke to Moses. And he said, send 12 spies and spout the land that I promised you. Moses sent out the 12 spies. And they spied out the land for 40 days. Huh? 40 days. And they returned back to Moses. And of the 12 spies, 10 brought, brought back an evil report. They said, yes, the land does flow with milk and honey. It's a good land. But the people there are very strong. The city's a wall. So Caleb said, let us go up at once and possess it. We are able to overcome it. But the ten who brought back the evil report, they said, no, 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 we can't do that. The people are too strong. In fact, we saw the sons of Anak there. We saw giants in the land. We saw giants. And we were in our own sights as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. How is it that God tells you you're chosen? How is it that God tells you you're favored? I'm giving you this land that flows with milk and honey. And they brought back the evidence of the fruit. They brought back a cluster of grapes. They brought back pomegranates and figs. And they saw the good fruit of this land. They saw what God had promised them. But yet they rejected it. And they aborted the whole idea of going to a promised land. I'm telling you, you can reject your destiny. You can come to a place where you will not accept all God's goodness. If you're tired and you're sick and tired of being tired, if you're tired of your life the way it is, then you got to make a decision. You know the first revelation in the Bible? Anybody. The first revelation in the Bible in Genesis is in the beginning, God created. Let me say it again. The very first revelation of God is in the beginning, God created. Now, God has already told you, you are a chosen generation. And if you don't like the quality of your life, you don't like the experiences of your life, you don't like the condition of your life, then you got to be creative like your heavenly father. It's your chance right here and right now to make a decision that I'm going to create some happiness in my life. I'm going to create some peace in my life. Because I'm created in the image and of the likeness of God. And if my father's a creator, then you have creative powers as well. Do you hear what I'm saying? But they talked themselves out of it. How many times have you talked yourself out of your blessing? How many times you've said, I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can. Or perhaps you even said, I can't. God is not a God of I cannot. He is not a God of I can't. He is a God of I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that first generation, they lost out. But the Apostle Paul, he told the Christians at Thessalonica in his first epistle he ever wrote, he reminded them about what Christ had done for them. And he said to them, 
in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, he says to them, you, got, you, you should be walking worthy of your call. You're chosen. Walk worthy of your call. Walk worthy of God. For he's the one who's called you unto his kingdom and his glory. There's no glory in sickness. There's no glory in lack. There's no glory in being stressed, full of anxiety. There's no glory in fear, doubt, and unbelief. Paul says you should live your life worthy of God. We live our lives worthy of God because we're chosen of God. And because we're chosen of God, Paul says, he's the same God that's called you unto his kingdom and his glory. There is no sickness in the kingdom. There is no lack in the kingdom. There are no problems that can't be solved in the kingdom. And this is how God gets glory out of our lives. Because we accept the fact that we are chosen. And then we think like we're chosen. We talk like we're chosen. We walk like we're chosen. Glory to God. You are a chosen generation. Glory to God. So when you look at this, that first generation of the Israelites that came out of Egypt, all the wonderful things God wanted for them. He wanted them to be a special people above all the people of the earth. He wanted them to be a nation of priests. He wanted to be a kingdom of priests and, and, and a holy nation. That's what God wanted for them. But yet they lost out. And what the, the favor and the privilege that that first generation of Israelites lost out on, that's been restored to us. What am I saying? We are the chosen generation now. We occupy that place of favor and privilege that God intended for that first generation of Israelites. That generation that became a lost generation. Now the favor and the privilege God had for them, it belongs to you. That's why you should walk worthy of God who's called you into his kingdom and his glory. Think about the son who became prodigal in Luke chapter 15. Think about this son who became prodigal. Most of you are familiar with the story. How this certain man had two sons. And the younger of the sons came to his father and said, Father, give me all, all the goods that, that falls to me. In other words, give me my, my share of the inheritance. And his father divided his inheritance between the two sons. But the younger son left home and he went into a foreign land and he gazed into, the Bible says, prodigal living or riotous living. I like the, the living Bible. It says he spent all of his money. The living Bible says he spent all his money on parties and prostitutes. But he came to nothing. He came to nothing. The money ran out. And he couldn't find a job other than feeding the swine. Joined themselves to a citizen of the country. And the citizen sent him into the hog pens to feed the swine. Then all of a sudden, that young man came to himself. See, he had to hit rock bottom. 
And sometimes God will let you hit rock bottom. And here, here's the blessing of hitting rock bottom. It's not all bad. See, when you hit rock bottom, you have nowhere to look but up. You have nowhere to look but up. So the Bible says this young man, he came to himself. It's like when you're living beneath your privilege, you're, you're walking outside of your favor. It's like you have temporary insanity. And we need to come to ourselves. We are a chosen generation. So the prodigal son, he came to himself because no man would give to him. And see, that's why a lot of people don't change. A lot of people don't change because they got people enabling them. Huh? Even, even, even us, we Christians here, we have people enabling us. When are you going to stand on the word of God? When are you going to believe what God said? Huh? Your attitude can't be every time you have a need, lend me, give me, let me have. Lend me, give me, let me have. What about God? I'm trusting you. If God has to, he'll send an angel. So the prodigal son, he came to himself and he began, he felt so ashamed that he had fallen so low in life. And he began to rehearse to himself what he would say to his father because he had no choice but to go back home or die in a foreign land. He decided to go back home because he had came to a census. And he's rehearsing in his mind what he would say to his father. I need you to follow this. He says, well, I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. After all, my father have many hired servants with bread to spare, and I'm out here starving to death. So the young man picked himself up. He went back home. But the Bible says his father saw him from a ways off. He saw his son coming, broke, busted, and disgusted. And he had compassion on him. And he ran down the road, and he embraced his son, and he kissed him. And what did the son say? Father, I am not worthy to be your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. But the father didn't accept that. The father says, quick, quick, put on him the best robe. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. Kill the fatty calf and let's celebrate. Why? God did not call us to be servants. He called us to be sons. And the favor is upon the sons, not the servants. And it's the sons who are chosen. It's the sons that's been selected for favor and privilege, not servants. Even though the prodigal son saw himself as no better than a servant, he was always his father's son. And I'm telling you, no matter what you've done, how far you're straying away, you are still your father's son. And father's waiting on you to come back home so that he can bestow upon you and restore unto you that special favor and privilege. That's the God we serve. No way you're going to be a servant to me. You've always been my son. You are chosen. Even on the bad days, you're still chosen. Even when you mess up, you're still chosen. You are a chosen generation. So the prodigal sons want to settle. And that's our problem. Sometimes we settle. 
We should never settle. We should always accept everything God says we are. He wants to settle on being a servant. But his father said, no way. I'm giving you favor and privilege because you're my son. You are the chosen. We are a chosen generation. In closing, I want to give you four resemblances of the chosen generation because we all should be looking alike. We all should have resemblances. You see, if you look at any of my kids, you see part of me in some of them, most of them, all of them. Some Joyce, some more than Joyce, some act like Joyce. <laughs> but if you keep looking, you'll see father in those kids. But there are resemblances of the chosen generation. Now, Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he said to them that him whom he foreknew, that's you. God knew you before you knew yourself. Whom he foreknew, he did also predestine to be conformed to the image of his son that you might be, that he might be rather, the firstborn among many brethren. How are you conforming to Jesus? We conform to Jesus in spirit and in nature. We have that same spiritual form. In other words, when the devil looks at you, he, he ought to see the resemblance of Jesus. Because you've been conformed to the image of God's son. Huh? Huh? And whom he predestined, come on somebody, huh? He also called. And whom he called, he also justified. You are justified to be blessed. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. You have been justified to receive favor and privilege in God's kingdom. Huh? But what are those four resemblances? Well, Peter... He outlined those four resemblances. So when the devil looks at you, he ought to see someone that's looking and have resemblance of Jesus. Someone in conformity with Christ. First of all, Peter said, the chosen are chosen by God. Chosen by God. Paul told the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, just as he chose you before the foundation of the world, that you would be holy, come on, without blame, before him in love. I'm telling you, you weren't chose the day you got saved. He chose you before you chose him. He chose you first. And he chose us before he ever said, let there be light. He chose us before the foundation of the world. Now we need to look like that. We need to walk like that. We need to lift our heads up like that. Huh? Same thing he told Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And before you came forth, in other words, before you was born, I had already sanctified you. Come on. And chose you. 
God had already chose Jeremiah to be a prophet unto the nation. God had already chose you and I to be chosen ones in the kingdom of God to his glory. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South, New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.